Come on, church, all across the state of South Carolina, one name. Would you give him a really, really great hallelujah, little hand clap, little shout of praise today. We bless your name, Jesus. Your people have gathered. We've assembled as you have asked us to on the first day of the week. We've come together and we, we lift up one name, the name of Jesus Christ, the only name by which anyone would be saved. The good news gospel that you exemplified and put on display with your great love at the cross and with your great power at the resurrection. And we have not forgotten it. We have been moved by it. And Lord, we thank you for that name today. That name that is ruling and reigning over every circumstance and situation. We thank you that as we worship you today and we elevate you, we magnify you on every single campus, our problems get calibrated. Our issues come into right shape and size. Things that seem so big as we walked in here this morning, they shrink in comparison to the might and the power of our victorious King, Jesus Christ. And so we say amen and elevate you one more time today. Would you help me, church, with one more hand clapping? Why don't you look to your neighbor, if uh, somebody uh, came with your friend, your family, give them a high five, look at somebody and give them a fist bump and why don't you take your seat. Love you on every single campus. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. Well, if you got your Bible and you want to get them out now, we're going to be finishing up the book of Galatians today. Is that not crazy? We've spent six weeks in this book. Have you enjoyed the book of Galatians, New Spring Church? Have you enjoyed it? We've enjoyed it too. I want to, while you're turning your Bible there, opening up your app, I want to celebrate a couple of things with you. These are important things. Number one, last week, uh, we preached chapter 5, specifically Pastor Clayton King preached with us. And I want you to know that we saw over 200 people respond last week on all of our campuses to the gospel message. Now come on, that's what it's about. 200 people responded and said that they want to declare Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And man, I was, I was able to be at the Clemson campus last week, saw dozens of people in that room. And we got to also hear baptism stories. Over at Clemson, I got to hear the story of a of a college friend who got to lead her friend to Christ, and then she stood in the baptism waters and baptized her friend. That's incredible. I know here at Anderson, you guys saw the story of some grandparents that saw their granddaughter uh, follow Jesus and got to stand in the baptism waters and be baptized. I want you to know, if you were one of those 200 folks last week, or maybe they're a friend of yours, or why don't you go public for Jesus in baptism. We want to invite you to do that. You can do that if you've not already taken that step. On all of our campuses today, I want you to swing by the guest services area and say, hey, I want to go public for Jesus. I want to tell people what he has done for me. And we want to, we want to help you take that next step and celebrate that. But we're, we're excited about that. In addition, I want to let you know before I get into the text today, we're excited next week to begin a brand new series. I think one that's going to be incredibly helpful and it's going to be wildly biblical. It's called Women and Jesus. I hope you're excited about that. Ladies, can I get a little excitement from the ladies? How about some godly men? How about a little bassy excitement? Come on, fellas. Women and Jesus starts next week. I hope you'll be here for that. We're pumped up about that. And then the last thing I'm excited about, and this is personal to me, is that today I have been married 11 years and one day. And uh, my wife, Corey, uh, she's not in the service with us today because you know this, moms and dads, some things happen in your life that you just have to respond to and in marriage. And so she's actually at home with one of our children who is on the men. So I'm going to look right at the camera and say, Corey, I love you. I'm so grateful. Gosh, why do I get emotional? I'm so grateful that you said yes. 
and it's an honor to be your husband, and I love doing life with you. So would you all put your hands together and celebrate my wife. She puts up with me. And, uh, and let's jump into the text. So today, just to catch us all up to speed, in the conclusion of chapter 6 of Galatians, this series is called No Other Gospel, and the implication of that is, in this earth, there are other gospels. And not just in the earth, in the church, there are deceptive and distorted gospels. And, and it happens some 16 years after Christ ascended and went to to, to heaven to prepare a place for us, 16 years of thereabouts is when the book of Galatians was written and there, there was a distortion in the church. And so some of the, the leaders, some of the most mature believers had even, had even fallen, been bewitched to this distortion. Peter was one of those. And so the reason we're leaning into this is because right now, some 2,000 years later, I want you to know that there's other gospels out there. But if we get the gospel wrong, two things, two things, if we get the gospel wrong, happen. Number one is people don't actually enjoy the salvation that our Lord purchased on the cross. They don't get it if we get it wrong. And the second thing, if we get the gospel wrong, God's not glorified. And so we're not okay with that here at New Spring Church, so we're going to do everything we can to get the gospel right so that people actually experience salvation. And number two, that God gets the glory, nothing else. That's what it's about. And so we've been coming around this definition of the gospel. I'm going to read it to you. It'll be on the screens, but just as a reminder for all of us. The gospel is the good news that Jesus died for our sins. And he rose from the dead so that through faith in him, we can be made right with God and enjoy life with Him forever. Somebody say forever. Forever. You're living in eternity now. And if you're a Christ follower, we get a chance to begin to live that eternal life. We don't have to wait for one day to die and then enjoy eternal life. We get to live with Him now. And so here's what I want you to write down. Point number one, just to kind of get us in the right framework, is very simply this. Religion is about appearance, and the gospel is about power. Religion is about the appearance, the look of something. That's what the book of Galatians talks about, that religious people have a a projection of something, but real gospel is about real power. Now, I've got to tell you a story about the fourth grade to kind of set up where we're going today because I want to kind of give us some, some definition around power. In the fourth grade, I was in Mrs. Griffin's class at Atkinson Elementary School, and I love the fourth grade. And in the fourth grade, we were learning how to be scientists. Any school teachers, administrators in our campuses today? Uh, yeah, all right, a lot of school teachers. Hey, can we put our hands together for all of our school teachers, administrators on the front lines? You guys are living out uh, gospel camouflage out there in our schools. We're grateful for you. But in the fourth grade, Mrs. Griffin was teaching us how to be scientists. And so we got an incubator. And we brought in these chicken eggs, and we had to come up on these chicken eggs, and we had to begin to learn the scientific method. School teachers, you know what I'm talking about. And we had to do observing of, the, of what was going on. And so every day, we come over, little scientist, you know, your heart's huge. You're thinking, I'm going to be a scientist one day. I can't wait. You're, you're looking at these chicken eggs in this incubator, and day after day after day, guess what the chicken eggs did? Nothing. Y'all already knew. Nothing. And you know, but you're writing down everything. The eggs are white today. The uh, the incubator is warm today. Uh, there's, there's 17 chicken eggs just like yesterday. You know, you're just, but then you turn the egg, and then you, you go away, and you come back tomorrow until eventually several days go by, and all of a sudden something starts to happen. 
what starts to happen, church? These eggs begin to kind of crack. As a matter of fact, you can hear, you can actually hear the little, the little baby chicks inside the egg are starting to beep, 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 beep. That's my best impersonation of the chicken eggs. And the, and the eggs start to kind of do this little, this thing where they kind of are starting to pulsate. And then all of a sudden, one chicken gets his little beak through there and cracks the egg and it starts to kind of crack. And, and he gets his little beak through there and then another egg over here. And then, and then they struggle and struggle and struggle. And I don't know if you recall this or it's been a long time since you've actually watched eggs hatch. It takes a long time. It takes a long time. But one of the lessons that I will never forget is I remember this so vividly. A little boy in our class stopped being a scientist and he started trying to be a helper. And he put his hands into the incubator because these chicken eggs were just struggling so much. They were peep, 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 and they couldn't quite get out. And this little boy in our class, he, he took his hands and he kind of cracked the egg and he helped the chick out. And then the chick kind of flopped out on the ground and, and it was out of the egg and it was kind of doing its thing. Peep, 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 peep. And some hours went by and some of the other chicken eggs began to crack. And long story short, the chicken that had received the help from our scientist dies. And you might know this if you've been around this before. Why did it die? You ready for this? Because God had intended for struggle to make us, not to break us. And this chicken had needed the struggle of breaking through the egg for its neck muscles to form. Because without the formation of the neck muscles, they don't get strong enough to hold it up. And so ultimately it ends up not having a neck that will form. And then it needs the struggle so that its lungs might form. So that it can endure and thrive for the rest of its life. The struggle was a part of God's plan from the beginning. And the reason that I want you to know this today is because you and I have got to understand a theology of struggle Following Jesus that God has designed for us not to break us but to make us so that we might thrive in this Christian life. And I expected about a, that kind of a level of amen because just to be candid, nobody likes struggle, amen? We don't like it. We don't like pain. We don't like to go through hard things. And especially in first world westernized American culture, we have the ability to avoid struggle. And so we do. We'll insulate from it. We'll remove ourselves from it. We'll medicate from it. We'll do anything we can to get away from the struggle. But what if perhaps God had designed the struggle in our lives, whatever it might be, to actually give us strength in the end that we might thrive in this Christian life and not a, a, an appearance of really short-term victory that leaves us gasping for oxygen ultimately to never live the life God intended like that little chick in my fourth grade Mrs. Griffin's class you see, God has designed, listen to me, God has designed struggle to make you, not to break you. And so that should be an encouragement to anybody who's going through anything difficult today and any parent raising any kind of kid today. And I want to talk to you a bit about that because Paul does not get off the gas as he finishes. Instead, he kind of revs it up and he comes in hot in Galatians chapter 6. And I want to share with you four ways, four things where we move out in gospel power where God is going to give us this spirit of not quitting. And so today, I want you to walk out of here with your absolute cup filled up, encouraged. My, my heart today is to give you courage, to encourage you as a church to not quit when it comes to the gospel. The title of the message is, Don't Ring the Bell. And I'll get to that in a minute. Don't Ring the Bell. Father God, would you bless our time in your word today? It's in Christ's name and for his fame. 
we ask. And we all say together, amen, amen. Well, you're in Galatians chapter 6. Let me remind you of where we were in Galatians 5 just to give us a start. Galatians 5, the very end of the chapter says this. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Last week, Pastor Clayton talked about the fruit of the Spirit. And then he also talked about the fruit of the flesh. And we we lean in and we want to be people that walk by the Spirit. Well, that's what he's going to tell us how to do that in chapter 6. So chapter 6, verse 1 says this. So brothers, sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. See that again. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Point number one about walking in the power of the gospel and not in the the appearance of something powerful in religion is simply this. I want you to write this down. When you walk in the power of the gospel, you will not walk alone. You will not walk alone. Verse 1, verse 2, and verse 6 there are about the one another's. There are three of the one another's of the New Testament. Did you know that in the New Testament, God gives us 59 one another's that we as Christians, if you're a Christ follower, are supposed to do. We're supposed to hear. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens. We're supposed to restore one another in gentleness. We're supposed to share with one another. In other passages in the scriptures, it says things like forgive one another. That's always a difficult one for us, isn't it? Uh, We're supposed to pray for one another. We're supposed to love one another. 59 times we are called to these one another's. And I want you to know you are called to do some one another here at New Spring Church, it's been said that the Christian life here on this side of eternity is to one another, one another. And so as you serve at church, you're one anothering one another, whether it's in the kids' ministry or the student ministry or out here in the parking lot or greeting or here in ministry time at the end of this service today, we're going to have the opportunity to one another, one another. Uh, Whether you're in a men's group or a women's group or whether you're in a home group, I want to encourage you today, if you're going to move out in the power of the gospel, you are not going to get there alone. You're going to need others in your life. doesn't matter how strong you are or how, how sure you are of your eternal fixedness in Christ, you're going to need somebody in your life. You're going to need others. And I'm telling you right now, it's probably more palpable than any other time in my life about how much we need one another. This is why, listen to me, this is why the enemy comes against this. This is why the spirit of the earth wants to get division all over the place, wants to create wedges and obstacles and offense everywhere. And so if we're going to be able to one another each other well, we're going to have to be very hard to offend. Can I get an amen? We've got to be hard to offend. We're going to have to be quick to, to, to offer grace, quick to offer forgiveness. Be the very first to offer grace. Be the very first to say, I, I, I want to I just say my fault. Be the very first to say, even if it's just 1%, own it. In your marriage, in your homes, in your relationships, we have got to be people that one another, one another. So even right now, before I move on from this point, I want you just to pause right now and let me ask a question. How are you doing at this? How are you doing it at one anothering one another? 
Where are the space in your week as you think about this? Not just in your home or in your dorm or in your, in your, in your life there at work, but how are you doing when it comes to one anothering other believers? Other people that are called by Jesus, that are living a life for Christ. How are you doing at this? And maybe just take some action steps right now. You, you don't have to wait till the invitation to respond. You might know right now, I need to tell them, I'm sorry. I need to offer a cup of coffee and say, let's get together and, and pick back up where we left off. I, I, I feel like I've just really isolated myself. Maybe you need to reach back out to that radical mentor group that you were a part of, fellows. Or maybe ladies, back to that Bible study you used to go to. Or maybe that home group that you used to do before COVID. Maybe it's time to start talking with one another about how you can get safely back in a rhythm of gathering with one another. Because I'm telling you, I know I'm looking right here at all the people at the Anderson campus today. But I'm going to look right here in the camera. You were not meant to sit at the house and only watch online. All right, now that's not to cast shame. I mean, some days it, my wife's there right now because our daughter is at the house sick right now. So she's there. But you were not meant for the, the, the absolute pinnacle of your Christian faith journey to catch the podcast on Tuesday. Listen, that's what the enemy wants to convince you of. And you're going to have to walk in gospel power. And if you're going to do it, you're going to do it together. And you're going to do it with other believers. You're going to come together as part of the assembly because the eye needs the hand, needs the foot, needs the body. And we've got to come together, church. We've got to one another, one another. Come on, Anderson, help me out right there. All right. We've got to one another, one another. All right, let's pick it up in verse 7. We'll get to point number 2. Verse 7 says this. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Watch this. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Say, don't give up. Don't give up. We are a people, according to Paul's uh, encouragement here in Galatians, Christians are a people who do not give up. I want you to write this down. When you walk in the power of the gospel, there is an I won't quit attitude motivating your life. Now, that's not hype. That's the real hope of the gospel. But can I just tell you something? I want to quit a lot. I want to quit a lot. Anybody else want to quit sometimes? Let's be honest. We're in church today. Anybody else just want to quit? Want to just call? Man, it's weary, isn't it? I remember coming to the end of the summer, and we kind of felt like we were finally getting out of this, uh, this whole um, unprecedented times. I remember a, a friend of mine saying, here, here's what his language was. He said, hey, I've never been so excited about getting back to precedented times, but we had been living in unprecedented days, and then all of a sudden the Delta variant. And it was like we could feel it. At every single campus in our pastoral staff, we could feel weariness um, kind of lifting. And then all of a sudden, we felt this wave of new weariness kind of happen in the earth because the Delta variant and more, more vaccine convos and mass convos. And oh my goodness, but I want you to know, you have a spirit that you can tap into that will not quit. And I want to talk to you about Netflix. I know, it's the natural transition. But uh, over this coronavirus season, I have gotten to be a connoisseur of some special things on Netflix. My favorite thing to watch on Netflix, just all cards on the table, documentaries. I love a documentary. I love a documentary about history, and I specifically love a documentary about the military. And one of these documentaries, several of them I watch, but one of these documentaries uh, about the military was a documentary about 
the PJs. No, I'm not talking about PJ masks, mom and dad. I'm talking about the para jumpers. I'm talking about special forces military guys who were super elite. And these para jumpers, their motto, I love it. You should write it down. Their motto is that others might live. Isn't that awesome? These guys are, they're like trained medics who jump in behind enemy lines and will save you, surgically put you together behind enemy lines while bullets are, are shooting all around you. They're incredible guys, and they go through an unbelievable amount of training. And in the PJ training, they have this belt that they set up in the final days of training. And they put it right in the middle of the, the training, and there's like 100 candidates that are there, and they all are trying to be. They're already the elitist of the elite. They've gone through all kinds of vetting and all kinds of struggle to get to this moment. But what they do is they put a bell in the middle of the training facility, and if you hear the sound of that bell, it means somebody has just tapped out and they've quit. That's what you do. If you, if you don't want to almost drown in the pool anymore, you can hop out and you can, you can ring the bell. If you're just absolutely sleep deprived, you're seeing all bleary eyed and you just don't want to have anybody yelling at you anymore, you can jump up and you can ring the bell. And the bell begins to be just this ominous sound because every single time that you're going through the struggle and you hear somebody ring the bell, it's just almost like this weight hits the rest of the team because you know another one has gone down. Another one has tapped out. Another one has quit. And in the time that they're training, one of the things that they do, and it's not just there at the PJs, they do this in every military group, and all the elites, whether it's the SEALs or it's the Green Berets or it's the Rangers, they all have this moment where there's only been a couple of folks that have kind of <laughs> tapped out, but then they have this day um, sometimes it's on the back end of a week called Hell Week, or, or it's, it's, it's an unbelievable, unbelievable physically exerting time. And in the mind of the candidate, they build a faux finish line. Okay, I'm about to, I'm about to preach, okay, so y'all lean in. They build a faux finish line, and the faux finish line is maybe after a night, all night they've been up, and they had to get up, and they do a ruck run, and they had to do all kinds of, like, trials. They're climbing through mud or all whatever. They're, they're, they're going through sandy beaches. they got log runs, and, and, and they finally get to whatever the finish line is. They build this faux finish line in their mind. They get there, and they finally they get done, and in their head they think they've made it. And then all of a sudden this happens on every one of these training regiments. They tell them as soon as they complete and as soon as they kind of let their guard down, you're not done, that's halfway, it's time to do it all over again. And in that moment of weariness, when they had already thought, okay, I'm done, they get told that they're not done, they got to do it all again. Do you know what ends up happening? Every single one of these groups, one after another, I quit, I'm out, me too, it's too cold, I don't like the pain, I want a hot meal. I don't want to hurt anymore. I'm through. And again and again and again, they quit. And it's, it's like this in every single one. But here's what I want you to catch, okay? If you don't want to be cold anymore, you can ring the bell. If you don't want to go through the struggle anymore, you can ring the bell. If you want to go home into a, a good night's sleep and not have somebody yelling at you, not have any more pressure on you, you can ring the bell. But you know what? Watch this. If you want to change the world, you can't ring the bell. If you want to make a difference, you can't ring that bell. If, if you want to do something that is, that is going to be absolutely invaluable, and now this is in the ranks of our, our military, 
But I'm looking at you as a Christ follower, and I'm saying as clearly and as lovingly as I can tell you, there is a spirit of perseverance and endurance that the Christian can get because of what Jesus Christ has done. And you can tap in and you can go further than you ever thought you could go. You can walk more than you ever thought you could walk. You can get up again no matter how many times you've fallen down. And you can get up and live and do it again, not because you're operating in your power, because you're operating in gospel power. You see, gospel power got up on the third day and he said, you get that same spirit in you. So I want to encourage you, church, tap into gospel power today. Tap into the strength of Jesus Christ today. Get to the end of yourself and realize everybody gets to the end of themselves. And listen, this is so important. In the military, they're not looking to see who fails. You can fail again and again and again. You just can't quit. I want you to know that's what grace says. Grace makes room for you to fail again and again and again. Grace is not giving you permission to sin. Grace is giving you the power to overcome sin. Okay, And that grace is what you need so that you can get up again. And the gospel, listen, the gospel, if you believe the real gospel and you're operating in real power, it doesn't mean you won't fail. It just means you won't quit. You are a I will not quit person because Christ did not quit and he sends his spirit inside of you. You won't quit in your marriage. You won't quit in living for Jesus. You won't quit in trying to raise your kids in the the things of God. You have an I won't quit attitude in you. Come on, somebody, amen at New Spring Church today. That's you. Now, this is point number three, but it's right alongside of this, okay? When you, when you, you I just said you have this I won't quit spirit, but look at verse 10. So then. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and here's the emphasis, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the saints. Uh, In this particular documentary I was watching, um, one of the, the wildest things that was going on was there was two identical twins that were both a part of this elite class that was going through the training. And they were, they were both some of the very top, and they had made it to, like, you know, the, the fourth quarter, if you will, and they were just kind of getting down to the last time. And one of the twins just really, really was struggling. And uh, he, he, I can't remember what the specific training was, but ultimately in this, in this military training, he got to the very end of himself, and he was trying to quit. He, he was, I've gone too far. He got to the end of himself. But I want to ask you a question. Do you think that identical twin of his that was going through the training with him was just going to let his brother get over here and ring that bell? He didn't let him do it. He's begging him, don't quit. He's telling him, come on, I'm with you. Come on, I'll run it with you. I'll, do it. I'll help you carry it. I'll help you. I'll, come on, let's do this together. The, the, the one brother was trying to get to the bell because he was, he, with everything in him, he wanted to ring it. And the other brother, and along with some of his other, his other cadets and classmates, cadets is the wrong word, uh, his other classmates, they would not let him ring the bell. And I want you to know that's the, that is one of the most beautiful images of the church. There's going to be a moment in time, if you've not gotten there, you will, where life throws whatever it throws at you, and you're going to want to quit. And I, I am so grateful that I know in my life I have brothers and sisters that are close to me that absolutely would dive in my way and not let me quit. And I want you to know you need those kind of people too. 
And today, if you are not a part of a group at New Spring Church, or if you don't have some kind of accountability in your life, your big takeaway from this sermon is I have to get other people in my life that love me enough to be kind to me and not nice, that love me enough to dive in my way and not let me ring the bell and quit on this faith journey, that love me enough to stand in the gap and say, I'll help you carry it. I'll help bear your burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. There is nothing, listen to me, church, there is nothing that looks more like Jesus than when we carry one another's burdens. That's why Paul wrote right here, he says, that's fulfilling the law of Christ. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I'll help you carry the burden, brother. I'll help you carry the burden, sister. Whether it's in prayer, day after day after day, whether it's sitting with you going through tragedy as you've lost a loved one, whether it's just listening and getting a cup of coffee and helping you think through what the, the, the surprise is or the cancer is or the whatever it is, we're called to carry one another's burden. The truth is, when you walk in the power of the gospel, you will prioritize friends who are friends of God. You'll prioritize friends who are friends of God. That's the kind of friend I want to be. That's the kind of friend I want you to be. That's the kind of people I want you to have in your life. Do you have them? Listen, and that's for you to answer. When it comes to your top five relationships, the five most texted people in your phone, the, the five people that you spend the most time with in your week, when it comes to those people in your life, are those people friends who are friends of God? Because if they're not, listen to me, if they're not, when you want to quit in following Jesus, you're going to be able to get to this bell and you potentially are going to be able to tap out. But if you've got somebody in your life that, man, they're, they're a friend, a friend that can be trusted. They're going to love you enough, like the proverb says, to, to wound you because the wounds of a friend can be trusted. And they're going to say, hey, you don't, you don't want to divorce your wife. I know you guys are going through a rough patch, but you don't, you don't want to quit. Come on, that's not, you're, you're modeling Jesus. You're, 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 you're establishing a legacy. Don't tap out. Now listen, if you've, if you've already walked through the pain of divorce, don't feel shame from that. Um, God's gospel is grace forward, and it also reaches back, and you've got more grace in your future. But I want you to understand, you need friends who are friends of God so you don't blow your life up. You need somebody to tell you, man, I, I feel like you're drinking too much. You need somebody to tell you, I, I feel like, I feel like you, you're working too hard and you're not prioritizing your family. I, I feel like you're, 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 you're prioritizing the stuff of the earth and, and you're prioritizing the created thing. I love you enough to say, come on, let's put the creator God back in number one. Come on, we can do this. But you need people in your life that you do it together. That's point number three. Now the last point in uh, verses 11 through 18 Paul picks up the pen and he writes this with his own hand. So up until this moment, he's been talking to a scribe who I guess had good handwriting. Uh, Paul had bad eyesight. And so most people think that he had to write really big when he wrote so he could see the words he wrote. And so here's what he says in verse 11. See with which large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may... Listen, not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. I'm coming back to that, so hold on to that in your mind. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Look at 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but rather a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let 
No one calls me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. And then he didn't have a mic to drop, so he just drops the pen, y'all. Okay? So he's done right there. Here's what I want you to write down. When you walk in the power of the gospel, the fear of man shrinks and glorifying God grows. The fear of man shrinks and glorifying God grows. Now, we're about to enter into a a time of response on every single campus. Um, And I'm going to invite our worship teams to go ahead and make their way to the stage. But I want to invite you to your feet before we jump into this. So you can go ahead and put your pins down. And we're going to create a little bit of time to respond here. All right, you there? One of my, my heroes in the faith is a guy that lived back in the 1800s named J.C. Ryle. He was a pastor. He wrote an unbelievable book. If you've hung out with me for any time, I've probably given you a copy. It's called Thoughts for Young Men. It's absolutely incredible. But J.C. Ryle writes about a spiritual hero in his life, and it was a man named John Rogers. Now, I want to tell you about John Rogers before we go into a time of prayer. Invitation. Response. So John Rogers lived back in the 1500s. He was actually, um, he was a Catholic monk back then. And he lived in the wake of uh, the Reformation. And so all of a sudden, the Reformation was occurring. And so people were starting to reprioritize the Word of God. They were starting to recognize that there had maybe been distortions in the way that the church had lived and done stuff. And so they had gotten off course. And so he was a part of this great movement that we are in the wake of downstream here at New Spring Church called the Reformation, the, the Protestant Reformation. And so John Rogers ends up being one of the people that works through translating the Bible with William Tyndale so that we might be able to read the scriptures today in our church in English and not have to let somebody know Latin and tell us what it is. Okay, that's the, that's the whole backstory. But John Rogers, he understood the power that we're talking about today, the power that comes in the struggle and the struggle of suffering. History records that he actually got arrested in England when... Uh, when Um, Queen Mary became queen. She was trying to put an end to all this Puritan nonsense, and so she arrested all these pastors, and John Rogers was one of them. John Rogers was a father of ten kids. He he, he got sick of being a a celibate Catholic monk and got married and had ten kids, y'all. Come on, somebody. And he found out while, while right, right before he got arrested that they had their 11th on the way. Somebody say, hallelujah, good night. Pray for that woman, okay. And he was in jail, and he was asking if he might be able to meet his, his, his 11th child and see his family one more time, and it was denied of him. Instead, they found out, uh, he found out that he was going to actually be the very first martyr that gave uh, Queen Mary her name, ultimately, Bloody Mary. He was going to be the first. Let me tell you the story. They got him out of the jail cell and told him, you can, you can quit, you can you can." ring the bell, you just have to deny what you say you believe and you have to buy into this distortion of the gospel and tell everybody it was all just, it was just, it wasn't really that important to you and you can save your neck. And I know that inside he, he questioned this, but the Bible, or the Bible, but history says he didn't ring the bell. They took him out, walked him down the street. He walks literally past the church where he was the pastor for years. Hundreds and thousands of people had lined the streets because they had heard that this day was coming. They're standing up just like you are. And they watch this man as he walks down the street where his family is standing along the way. 
and his wife is holding his 11th child. He's never met this 11th child. He gets to hold his baby and kiss his wife. And he sees all of his kids, and they're all crying for their dad. Dad, don't do this. Maybe they're saying, Dad, I want you to come home with us. Dad, please. But inside of this man, he knew there was a gospel. There was a strength and a power that he could tap into and that it was the right thing to do, even if he had to give his life. And so he kisses his family. He prays with his family. He walks to the stake. And the sheriff of the town says, I want to give you a chance one more time. Just renounce this Jesus, this gospel you say you believe. Fall back in line with the religious tradition that we've leaned into for hundreds of years. And we'll put it all to an end. You can go home with your family. You can be with your wife. And he says, I will not. I will not. I will seal with my blood the thing I preached with my mouth. We don't have those kind of saints around here anymore, do we? I believe God wants to get us serious about the gospel. In the Bible, I keep saying this, the history records that they didn't have to tie this man up. That he, he backed himself to the stake. And when they lit it on fire, he warmed his hands in it. Just like this. Lifted his hands and he started quoting the 51st Psalm. And he closed his eyes for the last time on earth. And when he opened them, he saw his Lord. And he saw his Lord and he embraced his Savior. And he heard the well done, good and faithful servant. Back in England, the sound of applause was ringing through the streets of London. And the, and the record books say that thousands of people started to cheer and other men and women who were imprisoned were encouraged that they too would have the faith if their time came. And 290 of them had ultimately that same exact reality. They were given the chance to quit to ring the bell or to say, no, I believe the gospel of the Bible. I believe the scriptures. I believe in faith in Christ alone, that it's not by works. It's the grace that God gave me, and that is what I will boast in, not in the flesh of man, and I will live for that for the rest of my days. Today we end this series, but I pray that that persevering spirit of I will not quit lives on in the people of New Spring Church. And so here's what I want to invite on our campuses. I'm going to invite our ministry teams, if they don't mind. If you're, a, if you're one of our staff members in the room and you don't have a role, you can come too. Because I believe God's going to do some ministry right here as we conclude the service. They're going to spread out along the way, maybe even along the walls. And I want you to know that we cannot do it alone. And so we can't operate in religion that keeps us in our, our seats any longer. Maybe you need encouragement today. Maybe something at work or something in your home. You just need somebody to pray over you because you've been walking through anxiety or depression. Maybe it's because of a loved one that needs Jesus and you can't carry this burden alone, I want you to know the good news of the gospel is you were never intended to carry it alone. That's why the church is so valuable and so important. So I want you to think about this. What if you were one prayer away from that, that wayward child coming to faith in Christ? What if you were one prayer away from that healing happening in someone you love's life? What if you were one prayer away and that moment was right now? If you would just take advantage of the opportunity to go and share with one of these people these people have prayed all week. They are prepared. They're so excited for this moment right here. Come and, and share with them. Hey, pray for my home. Pray for my marriage. Pray for my job. Pray for this going on in my school. Pray for this happening with my, with my loved one. Pray for this healing. Take advantage of this time. I'm going to pray for us, and then you respond, okay? Father God, would you steal an I will not quit spirit in your people? Father God, would you make us a... We walk through weariness like everybody, God, but would you make us an encouraging people that will shoulder one another's burdens with each other and, and never, God, feel like we have no one to lean on. 
So, Lord, I pray for marriages right now. I pray for homes right now. I pray for lost loved ones right now who don't know the good news and the grace of Christ. I pray for the the healing right now that God is going to occur because folks are going to pray. I pray for the salvation that's going to flow because we prayed here. You're going to do something there. And so, Lord, on all of our campuses, would you be glorified as right now we want another one another. That's what we ask. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Come now. Would you move?